0: This is the Requiem All Podcast, Episode 62, Celestial Season. Welcome to the Requiem Metal Podcast, I'm Mark And I'm Jason And today we're talking about Celestial Season We just heard uh, Decameron Decameron I prefer to call it Decameron, but I think that's how it's spelled Off their Solar Lovers record from 1994, released in 95 Released in 95 on uh, Metal Blade and Displeased
1: Records I Mm -hmm. think Co. put that out But uh, this is a a different
0: band altogether Uh, Well, before we go into any of this everybody's gonna the biggest thing people used to make fun of this band about was celestial seasons tea oh yeah yeah, the tea so let's get that out out in the open right now Uh have your laughs (laughs) it's funny i don't even think about that anymore but yeah it was brought up so many times i can't help but
1: yeah but think about it well and i i remember when i was researching some of this online there were definitely some tea references i I forgot yeah that people were making (laughs) and stuff but uh it's a the the band itself um as you can tell from the the song you just heard, which is kind of a this Long meandering, kind of like groovy,
0: doomy. It just it it's, went to a lot of different like kind of emotions, you know. It feel, um, yeah, it feels really almost more more honest to, to some degree to uh, you know to the, the British doom scene, where, sure. where it was just complete doom and desolation and gloom. But and I, this is. But all, I think you have to start with the British doom. Yeah, I think this is know? this is definitely uh, you know all, most of their inspiration probably comes from from that era of especially of, I mean, you can hear a ton, especially I mean, in these later on these uh, next couple of... Or the tracks we're going to hear off their first uh, record forever scarlet passion mm-hmm. lots of like flanger kind of paradise lost guitar tones and tons of anathema kind of like plotting drumming especially on the
1: vocally. vocals on yeah. the early stuff would kind of sound like darren white the mm-hmm. original vocalist for anathema and then the obvious t- you know touchdown for my dying bride is of course the violins because yeah. there were very few
0: bands if any that I can recall, you you said you maybe remember Theory I think maybe on a track or two, but as far as being an integrated group, I, I, you know, to this day, I think this is probably the best use of violin incorporated into the music in a doom sure. band or in a, in a band in general. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I think the way that My Dying
1: Bride uses it, they use it almost as more like kind of a brush stroke effect or to accentuate certain songs but they don't use it as a primary instrument necessarily no they
0: were on the right track with like Gods of the Sun mm-hmm. to where it was almost a lead instrument and then he left yeah and then he went to Cradle field. Yeah, yeah lot so. a good he did there Which but is, yeah but the, the interesting thing about Celestial Season at least on the Solar Lover's record they actually have two violin players and mm-hmm. a cello player that actually take they take center stage as a lead instrument and the the guitars and the drums and the vocals are just there to kind of augment it yeah and it, the the kind of like sweeping like emotion you get out of a violin is so much different than a guitar absolutely absolutely i mean it,
1: it adds you know w- the way that might and bride used the violin is they used it in a way that made it more depressing and somber because they were almost just they're, they're almost making like singular like um, they were slow, drawn-out notes. Yeah, yeah. Th- almost the way that, that John Cale took the approach of sort of dissonant drone with the violin on yeah. the early Velvet Underground stuff yeah. where it makes it uncomfortable and kind of like creepy in a way. Here, they, to me, the the violin adds a sort of classical warmth to the music, you know.
0: Yeah, it makes um, it, and it really, it builds up almost like, like, a, like a symphony would bring, you know, in some kind of like, you know, soundtrack recording or any kind of uh, uh, situation like that, but it did bring so much more, Fullness and depth, mm-hmm. then more so than a guitar, because Mining Brides always been very guitar based. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, anytime uh, what was it? I forget. Is Martin Powell Was that the the violin, violin player, the keyboard player? Yeah. Um, his his yeah, he was very sparing and very like, he, he was held out stuff of a lot. He didn't do a lot of like you know the quick kind of jabs at the uh, you know with the bow like you can like you can hear on the Lechowczyk yeah, record. Yeah, the speedier kind of yeah. The more classically trained, so I think Martin seems more like kind of a, a novice, but he's he was definitely, I mean, he was very effective in Bride, but I think that he was almost perfected in this record. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you'll hear on the Forever Scarlet
1: Passions uh, disc, which is their their first record, the first full length. I think they had a couple singles. You said Chris
0: had Flo- actually yeah, it them. was a flower skin single that had come out before like that. Wh- witch hunt or witch, witch hunt records, yeah. and uh, they put out a couple other kind of prolific things I can't think of right now. But then yeah, the first one was on Adipocera, which was kind of a like a springboard label for a lot of bands. Yeah, and Adipocera Records uh, is a weird. I mean, talk about weird bands coming
1: off their Moonspell who was under uh, the Moonspell was on that one yeah and that's I mean Moonspell especially their first couple records they're really a band that doesn't fit in any scene they yep. kind of were doing their own thing Beyond Dawn another band that never is fit anywhere yeah um, I mean it wouldn't have surprised me if you had told me like in the woods first record have been at Adipose here just because it's so <laughs> there's such an off you know kind of label and so it makes sense that a band like celestial season who as we sort of talk throughout this show um they don't really fit anywhere you know mm-hmm. that's that's kind of i think what makes them both um unfortunately obscure and also uniquely kind of beautiful you know? Yeah,
0: and really from... It's kind I, of a double-edged sword in a I've way. I haven't checked out their, their third full-length when they, you know, sans the uh, death metal vocals. And they kind of went in the more stoner direction, which you could hear in Decameron a little bit. And really, in 94, they were, like, ahead of the curve on that whole thing. Oh, I mean, this uh, there's, like, some heavy Caius vibes mm-hmm. going on in this, and just... Uh, stuff that we like we hear in Nebula and stuff like that years later a lot of yeah. major chords power chords drawn out stuff yeah. yeah I mean really it was just you know Caius that was doing the kind of desert
1: rocky kind of feel yeah and they were like what five six years ahead of the curve on that Caius yeah. yeah yeah you know Caius was doing that in 91 92 but the the other thing too that I, I wanted to Mention on that track before we kind of walk away. You hear some of the desert rock seeping in as, uh, as the sort of groove comes in, but in particular the the opening of that, which is the the way the interplay of the violins, reminded me kind of curiously of um, a tune from Eucharist Mirror Worlds. And, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, it was just an odd kind of connection. But Eucharist is another weird band that doesn't quite fit in. I mean,
0: they're they're always associated with the Gothenburg scene, but to me they were always like. Trying to do their own. They're version. the black sheep, kind of. Yeah. I mean, they and they have a similar guitar tone to where they've got like, uh, is where it's really thick, but thick and kind of slightly dissonant. But uh, like Eucharist was doing, like all like minor chords and mm-hmm. the, the totally different kind of picking. But you they can still like hear that commonality. And the songs you're talking about don't necessarily sound the same, but they have the same approach. Absolutely, I think. And the, the tune I was thinking was in nakedness, which is the oboe tune mm-hmm.
1: that's on uh, Mirror Worlds. But I think too... What's weird about you know Eucharist and, and Celestial Season, especially when Celestial Season gets to Solar Lovers, uh, which we'll, we'll get back to a little bit later in the show, but there is, um, like I said, a, there's a darkness that's there. They're definitely being informed by Doom, just as mm-hmm. Eucharist is being informed by Death Metal, especially like on uh, uh, Velvet... Uh, Oh, velvet dark. No, velvet um, creation. Velvet creation. I was yeah. thinking velvet darkness. The is Theatre treasure. Yeah, third treasure. But the the velvet velvet creation record. Once once you get past that, and you get to the songs and the war comp, and even the mirror world stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing's true. Celestial season, and and you could throw like say like pyogenesis uh, with some of their. Kind of um, twin ale blood kind of stuff. They're bizarre influences, and yeah, it's not just the bizarre influences, but it's the approach that they're coming out of these genres that are very serious and dark and kind of gloomy, but mm-hmm. yet they they're adding like a warm tone to everything.
0: Yeah, I think the, like the the difference that I hear is you know in, in the British stuff there's a bleakness to it, mm-hmm. and celestial season doesn't have Ho- a, hopelessness. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, there's not that that same kind of bleakness in celestial season stuff. It's more of a uh, you know, it's the whole like love-lorn, romantic kind of sweeping, but for, not, but not like the dark, depressing romantic, but not that, the like, bombastic, My Dying over Bride the top. Did, you know. Well, yeah, but there's also the stuff like you know, uh, crematory and theater tragedy, where it gets really operatic, and that's it's a not too at much. all in here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think it, it, you know,
1: the fact that these guys hail from the Netherlands. Which in itself, I mean, the Netherlands has always had a, a weird. The, the Dutch metal scene has kind of been always off, kind of the same way that like they've been their the own Finnish thing. scene is yeah. kind of off a little bit too. Uh, you know, The Gathering is, is a weird band. I mean, even their death metal, you know, Gorefest and Esfix are, mm-hmm. are not pestilence. Pestilence. Yeah, those aren't. No, nobody sounds alike. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could you could trace something between, say, Thanatos, Gorefest, and maybe S-Fix. There's some, some kind of kind of an alley, but you know, The Gathering was putting out always, uh, you know, and, and uh mandolin and Almost a Dance mm-hmm. around this time. And those are odd doomy records. I mean yeah. I mean they're again they're being informed I think by Anathema, Bride, Paradise Lost, but they're kind of doing their own walk. You yeah. know, same with Pyogenesis in Germany doing that. Yeah. Novembre in Italy was taking like Doom, Death Doom you know, kind of British stuff and Filtering it, going their, their own ones. way. Yeah. Catatonia was in Sweden, yeah. and so everyone was taking that UK doom scene and doing their own thing with it. And then, and, and I think Celestial Season just bec- because they they only really made two metal full lengths, mm-hmm. uh, kind of just flew under the radar. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there who have no idea who they are.
0: Oh, probably not. And I, I think if this thing would have been put out in '94, like it was supposed to, I think it would have got a better response. Because '95 was kind of the year of okay, what's gonna, what can possibly be, yeah, be done with this kind of. That music. was
1: really the sort of division year where yeah. like a lot of stuff started to go the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when black metal was coming in like hard, hard at that point, so. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the the sort of classic UK doom bands had already put out their masterpieces. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, *Turn Loose the Swans* and *Gothic* and *Shades of God*. I mean, yeah. I know, mean, *Paradise Lost* well on their way to, yeah. you know, they're draconian times at this point. Sure. So. And and *Bride* was about to put out uh, like *Gods of the Sun* in '95, which mm-hmm. was toned down from sort of where you know they had started with the clean vocals and everything else. Yeah, and more so, rock-based and stuff. Yeah. You know, *Anathema* was heading towards *Eternity*. You know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, so so they were really out of step. By putting this out like a year late, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know what the, I don't know the story on Solar Lovers why it was delayed a year if it was just
0: Well apparently the uh, EP that came out before this I think it was called Orb or something I think it was actually recorded after, after Solar Lovers but came out before it was released yeah and it's like a stoner rock record and it, or it might have even been something as simple as a uh, as a contract thing like well we got you for for two full length records or you know you got to put out this record before you can put something else out sure. we already forked up the money and if this would have been shelved that would have been a crime <laughs> i know i know cuz this i i mean I, this is one of the un
1: kind of uh unhailed classics of this era and, and yeah. nobody knows about it and i mean that's one of the reasons mark and i wanted to do a celestial season show is to expose a band that, that deserves you know mm-hmm. some of this kind of credit so and it's easy to find on amazon yeah this one you can it's find cheap. the
0: first one's about 30 bucks
1: gosh forever yeah if anyone wants to donate a copy to marker i we would yeah, appreciate it.
0: I, I, I would like that <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we have copies but not, we have, not yeah gems, we got mp3 so. versions but that's about it but uh in, in terms of forever scarlet passions you know we'll we'll talk more about forever Scarlet Passions in a moment, but or after we listen to a couple tunes, but anything to to link the, the listeners into like what they're going to hear here as opposed to say what they just heard on that. Yeah, I mean, tune the, or, the
0: first record was uh, it was in '93, and this was about was this man, when did the gallery come out '92 from Dr.
1: Tranquility? Yeah, no, '95, '95, yeah, '94, '95. Sky Dancer was
0: '93, '94. Okay, so actually, kind of contemporaries, but as far as like the the kind of cover aesthetics, oh yeah, yeah, uh, to where you've got <laughs> the uh, the ruffly shirt with a hand and the flowers, the, the, like the, the puffy shirt, the pirate, yeah, this, Jerry Seinfeld shirt, yeah. Uh, Dark Tranquility had a, their cover for I think Mind's Eye is very similar to the cover yeah. of uh, Forever Scarlet Passion, and then we had the Crematory covers, and we had the Theater Tragedy cover. Everything was getting overly romantic, a little bit gothicy, A little, of, I don't even a little know. lame. So. Yeah, it, it was getting a little pompous. I think, and uh, I think at this time there's a glut of these kind of bands, and I think they just got kind of shuffled under the rug because they're on Adipocere Records, forgot. You had, and at this point, no internet mm-hmm. that was worth anything to us, <laughs> at least. And uh, it was all through flyers and through tape trading, and uh, you know, Chris would would kind of zero in on some of these little labels, and you know, pull out. You know, we'd uh, get you know this record. It, it kind of it was like really inspirational, and like we listened to it a lot for. Two months. Yeah. And then, oh, man, this thing came out. We got so shelved it. You shelved kind it away. But, but, yeah, the, the first one's definitely more, I think, literally informed by the the Peaceful 3 stuff for sure. Yeah. There's way more. There's tons of Paradise Lost kind of tones. There's the, uh, well, I mean, one thing they always had through, even the, on the first track on Forever Scarlet Passion, it has a bunch of cowbell in it mm-hmm. and just a bunch, just some kind of oddball stuff, but they've always been more, Major chord oriented instead of like the the My Dang Bride kind of like really uh, depressive slow minor chord. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and I think what do we open up with? Together in Solitude.
0: I think. Oh, for the first. Yeah,
1: we'll be talking uh, Merciful. Oh, Merciful. Vernacular. I'm sorry, yeah, I have in the wrong motion. Which has a, a killer breakdown about the two minute mark, kind of a punchy, really like a Pentecost three kind of just like. Yeah, punch to it, you know, um, and right down to the Darren White vocals that are, are really prominent on mm-hmm. this, you know. So that's I think the thing I heard the most on this record was probably
0: the the Anathema, you know. It's like Anathema and structure. If if uh, Gregor MacIntosh was doing some lead work for him, yeah, <laughs> and you had kind
1: of a more um, eloquent Martin Powell in the background
0: so it's it's really this kind of bizarre merging it's probably it's probably the most literal version of those three bands you know kind of put into one that i've ever ever heard Uh, that's a good point that's
1: a good point so um you know the 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 things that you can hear in these these trio of songs is you're going to hear obviously the, the 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 doom elements but i think especially in uh in sweet bitter in sweet bitterness right yeah uh that's where, to me, you start to hear a lot of the upbeat, kind of mid period cathedral, uh, post soul sacrifice kind of stuff in the stoner elements yeah. starting to kind of like bubble to the surface, which are really prominent on, on and, Solar Lovers. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and that same song on uh, In Sweet Bitterness, there's a lot of the bass is like up in the mix. Mm-hmm. And it's well played bass, too. It's not, I mean, it's almost the guitars play backseat to everything else in this band. They're just there to kind of like it's for momentum.
1: Yeah, like with the drums and, and everything sort of, else is like they, the
0: guitars kind of meander a little bit through with their warmth and everything else kind of like yeah. The over the it. the leads are always they're they're just kind of there to to guide. They're not there to like wow that's a hell of a lead kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's it's all for the I think probably everybody is working in, in concert. To, to create this whatever emotion each song is supposed to represent more so than a lot of other band I mean for, for, for being their second record Solar Lovers is unbelievably it's precise it's beautifully recorded focused and yeah, yeah. and it's
1: it's free in it's ability to like you know, have that openness. Mm-hmm. You know that a lot of bands, I think, overwrite songs. These guys yeah. have
0: like just the perfect kind of balance. Oh, and like um, on on the camera, and there's the guitar riff. It's just a muted, you know, D or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the they're not thing. and they're not afraid to, to let that play
1: out. You know, yeah. I mean, Some bands would shy away from from having that much kind of repetitious elements. Mm-hmm. You know, within it, but they're able to sort of, you know, like like we said, kind
0: of worm in the violins and, and rap these other sounds within it's—it's it's almost a built up like jazz, where you know you start with your theme and then you deviate from that a little bit, yeah. but then you keep coming back to that and accenting and—and and that's again why this band was, I think,
1: ahead of their time. They just weren't really operating by the same rules that early '90s European metal was operating by at this yeah, point. You yeah, know? And, uh, and that's why it holds up better than a lot of that stuff does. So, but anyways, we're gonna hear uh, which three tunes from, we're from hear, uh, the Merciful and Sweet Bitterness and Together in Solitude. Awesome and. Is it uh, together in solitude ends with a a weird abruptness, kind of like Serenity Painted Death from Opeth
0: or or Amerta from Catatonia, like a awkward, it's so so abrupt. I might even fade it a little bit because it it seems it seems almost wrong. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) it's wrong. So enjoy. together in solitude in sweet bitterness and merciful all good tunes um
1: one of the bands that I, uh, a, a kind of modern contemporary band besides some of the aforementioned like gathering or, or november or something like that but another band that kind of has never quite to me found their their proper scene and never gotten their proper due is swallow the sun mm-hmm. and um you know they have Kind of a unique sound to them. I mean, they kind of are are connected to the UK scene, but they're Finnish, and they,
0: yeah, they're uh, almost connect like to Opeth a little bit. And like the next kind of step on this, like integrating more of the uh, I guess like second tier doom bands into their sure, sound as well. Sure, and so you know, again, not that I'm saying they sound the same, because really, especially on Solar
1: Lovers, I mean, no one was adding. UK doom on this level with warm sort of stoneryness. No, I mean, you know? the closest
0: stuff that I could think of was like, I mean, these are all fairly obscure bands, but the, the Finnish stuff, like we had, like Zisma. Yeah, and we were doing to some stuff. Convulse earlier, convulse too. Convulse and uh, uh, Craxism.
2: Cool.
0: And uh, I think Paradigma was doing some stuff like this as well. I think all Finnish bands. Yeah. And Finnish bands, at least uh, in the, you know, I don't know about in the rock genre, but as far as like in the metal, extreme metal world, Finnish guitar is almost as recognizable as I don't it's, it's more like the entombed riff. Yeah, know. it's like this it's like the uh yeah like the Gothenburg or the Swedish sound or something. It's yeah. it's like immediately like uh, oh what was the demolish.
2: Mhm.
0: Same same kind of thing. All these bands are incredibly amorphous, brutal. even the old amorphous you hear yeah. elements of that in
1: Celestial Season yeah, 2. Yeah. like Privilege you know? of Evil's
0: got like warm guitar on it. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. I don't know what what the if it's not if they aren't down tuning like everybody else's or what, but Mhm. But that yeah, those are the kind of bands that I'm kind of seeing as maybe like kindred spirits to these sure. guys. Sure. You know, and um, you know, today, I mean, you
1: know, I, I don't think there's anyone I mean, like Swallow the Sun, like I mentioned them, but nobody nobody merges all of this sort of stuff together. I mean it's almost like they're they're operating with the same mentality that like say Celtic Frost operated with mm-hmm. when Celtic Frost would make these just gigantic leaps in between each record. And I'm not talking like Cold Lake but more of the the the, the leaps between like the, into the into pandemonium from yeah emperor's from return or whatever uh, um not emperor's return uh, to, Megatherian to Megatherian, and stuff yeah. you know they're they're constantly thinking how can we evolve you mm-hmm. know and 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 to me they did it awesomely over two records yeah you know, more than most bands will do in in some of their
0: careers mm-hmm. you know to go from right out of the gate. yeah right uh, out of the gate was forever scarlet's a pretty impressive doom record for what it is but sure. then this is just totally another level and uh the cover of
1: solar lovers is, is classy it's it just sort of has this like mystical quality to it with the the hands and the sort of you know it's got like this glowing orb, glowing of orb it, yeah. kind of thing but it which sounds cheesy if you see it it's just it's laid out pretty well i mm-hmm. mean it's simple and that's the thing it's i could blue That's cool. That's not very Doom. I know. I like (laughs) it. I like it. That's the thing I would say is everything about Celestial Season is is all about making a lot of non-choices. Um... Simplifying things like you mm-hmm. said, allowing the sound to breathe, you know, not overwriting stuff. In the cover, it's mostly blue. And the, the, to me, it's a very classy sized image mm-hmm. that's that's really only taken up not even a third,
0: you know, yeah, maybe for, about a quarter. For 95, the, the graphic design still holds up, which is hard to say about a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff <laughs> because this is right when computer stuff yeah. was kind of coming hey, in. Hey, let's bevel and boss everything.
1: And yeah. Make it look like hell. Yeah. So. so, you know, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of this that, that, that kind of stands the test of time. And so I want to kind of make that, that known, but, uh, the tunes we're going to kind of be getting into here are, are akin to, to what we opened up with, with, uh, De Camarone. Um, Solar Child is just, I just wrote Groove and, uh. It's really interesting because there's that that th- <laughs> it's the Hoover vacuum logo and they change it to yeah, Groover. To, to yeah. Groover. So you know they're obviously thinking about kind of stoner rock and and some of that kind of stuff. And the bands they think in there, they're thinking you know Cathedral and Lee Dorian. So they're obviously listening to the, what Cathedral was up to by '95, which is yeah. moving towards you know more psychedelia and yeah. you know some of the, the that that kind of stuff. So you know you mentioned Pulte. Paul Chain, Paul Chain is Acrimony, else. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also going to hear "Will You uh, Will You Wait for the Sun," which, to me, has a real mid-period "My Dying Bride" kind of like "Angel in the Dark River" yeah. kind of feel, but not um, as bleak. Yeah, minus the bleakness. <laughs> and and it's, at first, it has a little bit of bleakness, but then like there's this weird
0: like Sabbath groove that kind of comes in. Yeah, like all this, It seems like a lot of these things they seem like incredibly depressing and and you know morose at first but then there's like this kind of like hopeful optimism in the music not yeah. in the, not in the vocals not in the lyrics but just the way the music carries you it's like well this guy's going to be alright yeah it's like a it's like a warm sadness or something like it's it's okay it's like hey the whole world just got destroyed but at least you're still alive yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and, and you know and you, yeah and you've got a nice really well stocked bomb shelter yeah. you know so but it, but to me like especially in this the tune you'll hear, will you wait for the sun there's a lot of sort of like trippy 70s elements that really start to come out and you mentioned like nebula kaius i mean these Mm -hmm. sort of stoner rock bands and it's just such a weird emergence because there's no clean vocals going on on throughout the really the the there's like
0: some whispering yeah kind of stuff toward the end you know uh, so
1: they're not thinking about making stoner rock the way we think of it today i mean no one does like you know death metal because
0: that's rock. no, don't reminds me of like early Zisma stuff where it was like straight up rock music with death metal vocals. Yeah, which is like that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a, it's an interesting choice to make, and again, it comes
1: out of this you know Dutch kind of decision making of some sorts. You know, yeah, like, I mean if you know when the Gathering puts out like a, their their stuff, you know, from '95 on or whatever. I mean, you've got this gorgeous, beautiful you know female vocalist over top. Some kind of crushing
0: industrial doom mm-hmm. psychedelic,
2: and even you know with I mean? the new
0: one, I don't know if you've heard listened to the new one yet. It's um, it has it's, some, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I think the uh, I think the vocalist actually surpasses Annika. Do you? Yeah. It's hard, I know it's that's a lot It's, it's hard for you it's hard to hear, for me. But,
1: but you know what I just I haven't listened to it yet I did listen And she sounded pretty
0: similar She's, like she, she's a songwriter she, on she it She fits as well. really well so. Yeah And they're not trying Not that we're going to turn this Into a gathering show But you know Same countries, Maybe sure. some, similar aesthetics kind of weird But they're, that, that's another band Where at this point I didn't know where the hell They were going to go Like they've been kind of Treading the same territory For a long time For sure And this is like Okay let's take a little bit of 4AD Some good elements of Tori Amos and uh, just this, the kind of aesthetic they already had established and mm-hmm. they're not afraid to drop guitars it, the album breathes just like like this does it's, it's okay. kind of surprising and the same with you go back to a band like Asphyx. as dirty and raw as that is it breathes yeah and it was like remember i mean when we were at metal fest like we talked this, about
1: the open notes and yeah it was
0: like wow like hold the note for to, 3 seconds to that's sort great of come <laughs> about
1: yeah yeah so and it works really well and then we to close things out with uh, a tune called vienna and
0: we should talk about this tune for just a second because it's going to really kind of catch people off guard. Um, it's because- it's an oddball one. It, it reminds me of like a... Later on, Beyond Dawn kind of aesthetic to it, and they're another band that we could throw into this mix. And again, like yeah. I said, they got their start from the same label, so
1: maybe Adamas mm-hmm. here recognizes like unique talent. You know, <laughs> who I wonder who is running that label? I wonder that guy's probably a genius of some weird sort. Nah, yeah, he's probably destitute because he was not business minded. Yeah, some eccentric guy with like fingernails six feet long <laughs> or bag, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, collects bottles of piss or whatever. But
0: but yeah, that's also a cover from
1: Ultravox, which is apparently some eighties yeah, synth band. From what I read about that they're like a mid 80s synth band and and the original i guess is just super like competitive or not competitive repetitive and, and kind of boring i guess like noy or something but no nah, you know i could see that element of the Krautrock thing which you, you hear in some of the, the synth pop and mm-hmm.
0: stuff but uh, no nah, i think it just Kind of bad mid eighties, kind of just general. Maybe it's so like if uh, you know U.S. band covered a Hall and Oates song or something. Maybe.
1: And you know, <laughs> here, we're we're speaking a lot from the cuff here because we don't know what the original really sounds like. I'm just going by hearsay, but yeah. from what I've read about it, it, you know, this clearly surpasses the Ultravox version. So
0: yeah, and what what they brought to, I mean, because it, it clearly stands out on the record. It's it's incredibly sparse. There's piano in it. Yeah. Uh, they, the piano guitar interplay is cool and, and triumphant. You know, it's, yeah, and it goes back to that jazz thing again. It's like they're playing back and forth, you mm-hmm. know, call and response kind of stuff with the piano and the, and the guitar. It's, it's. I Maybe mean, we're thinking too much into this, but well, no, It I, seems like it's it's really well thought out. Like these guys seem like a bunch of like real musicians that are there just to create, you know, beautiful music. Well, and the other
1: thing we should mention about Solar Lovers is now not only do they have one. Violin player, but there's two violin players on this record. We may have mentioned yeah, that we earlier. we mentioned it earlier. Remember.
0: But there's also a cello player and a cello player
1: on Vienna. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so there's just there's a lot of kind of things happening. Um. There's an additional vocalist on Vienna as well. It's not the the main guy.
2: It's, a oh, guy, it's not a uh, Lec-
1: Stephen Reuters? No, Lex Vogelar uh, is is singing, and then, uh, they have a person that they brought in to do some synths and piano as well. Okay. And the synths and piano like give it kind of like an eighties like uh. I don't know, like a soundtrack like a character triumphing like over adversity or something.
0: It has a weird It's got like a cool Bohansen feel, but yeah. Usually cool and Bohansen don't go in the same sentence, but unless you're talking about like two records, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the extent of Bohansen's coolness. But uh But yeah, just that that kind of integration, like that simplicity, but it's yeah, it totally seems like you know, Rocky pounding on the meter running up the steps or something. Yeah, you know? it's that kind of stuff. But, it, but, but not, not as like a tiger. Yeah, you know? yeah, not as like cheesy montage like or through, something, but through. Music and not
1: through, almost like what Van did, like on "Cherry to Fire" or something, or uh, the Blade Runner yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, it has that, that kind of synthy piano, like weird. John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So, but anyways, we've we've talked enough about these tunes. So let's uh, let's see what you guys think about them. So we've got "Solar Child," "Will You Wait for the Sun," and then we're gonna close uh, the set off with the aforementioned "Vienna." So enjoy.
0: Vienna, the uh, cover of Ultravox, mm-hmm. uh, "Will You Wait for the Sun" and "Solar Child," all from Solar Lovers. Solar Lovers, yeah. appropriately enough, from Celestial Season. Um, and again,
1: you know, look around for this on Amazon.com. You can find it. I've seen out. it. Well, used the marketplace.
0: Actually, we'll have some affiliates. We'll throw a link up. Yeah, but uh, so. I've seen
1: it as, as low as five dollars. So. Yeah, totally worth. I mean we could have played there's like three or four other songs we could have played you know yeah uh, soft and Balmer, the still midnight is, a, is another good one soft
0: and balmer is a sweet
1: yeah I mean <laughs> just just, just you know great great songs dancing a thousand symphonies uh and the one we're going to close things off, Sen of Eve, is, is a pretty cool, closing number. The, Even the, Fandango is like a little minute and a half, a little like noodling thing. It's And the, the last tune, which is called The Tune from the Majestic Queen's Garden, which mm-hmm. just sounds like they're smoking a lot of opium, kind of like. With Lee Alice, Yeah, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> meets Lee Dorian or something yeah. but, uh, with Dave Patchett doing the cover. <laughs> um, that is like a weird, tripped out, like, Caius, like, everything's like way flanged, way distorted. There's a lot of on it. It's way just, gained. Yeah. There,
0: yeah, there's a ton of... It's almost like a Kevin Shields kind of thing where it's minimal notes, but just an incredible amount of processing yeah. happening. You know? Yeah,
1: it's it's cool. So it's a it's a great flow for a record. I mean, every song kind of seamlessly blends into another. Yeah, there's um, not a throwaway one on it. It yeah.
0: seems really well thought out.
1: Mm-hmm. So I so, can't recommend high enough. Yeah, definitely a thumbs up. And again, if you're willing to shell out some money, you know, Forever Scarlet Passions is, is worth
0: picking up as well. Or like if that. you want to be one of those devious people that go to Blogspot accounts, you can find it as well. Yeah, but, yeah. but support the band. But we don't know what that's all about. We don't know what that's all
1: about. <laughs> I don't. Um... The last tune, the Send of Eve," is, is, is sort of an appropriate kind of closer, uh, it, and it, it kind of begins in a sort of doomier, somber fashion,
0: more so than some of the songs on yeah. this record. And uh, it, it builds a lot throughout yeah. the whole thing. And this is we hear a little bit more of the, you know, the Caius vibe, the Pyogenesis kind of riffs, mm-hmm. the uh, the kind of I don't even know how to really describe the those the Pyogenesis riffs, but odd. <laughs> but yeah like just they they're just they seem out of place in, in metal but it's totally fit for yeah, some sort of reason. like
1: north central european sensibility that yeah and this the is the
0: dutch and the germans have towards Oh, now they've been around violins metal. longer than we yeah. have. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but this is really the song that the violins are going to shine on, and uh, they pretty much carry the song. They kind of take over really in the about the middle point of the song. Yeah, and then toward they, the they toward the end, to there's there. that that just fantastic uh,
1: violin lead. Yeah, and the interplay between the two of them mm-hmm. works works really well. Yeah, it's probably the most featured or uh, the most prominent feature of the violin and stuff so and it's kind of a it's a good way to sort of like peacefully close out a, a show from a fairly peaceful metal band i mean really these are it's as safe as like extreme metal gets is is really a good and way actually, to describe yeah, Social season people didn't mind them even with the vocals being like that deep You could say this is like you know death metal for your girlfriends or something you know like possibly very like you know you know boxing gloves everything everything soft blows you know you're not really getting hit yeah, by too much it's really not hard extreme stuff by any bunny starts imagination and even and even in hindsight his vocals in today's context where you hear a lot more screaming on the radio and like i think
0: generations have sort of grown up with more like of yeah. this stuff this is so tame you know compared to yeah i mean really i it's mean a, it's almost like old uh more airy versions of old, like Tommy Kuvasari amorphous vocals, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Where it was more, it, it was just another instrument. It wasn't necessarily a spotlight, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Or he wasn't singing about like rape
1: and murder and killing, well, like a yeah. lot of the death metal bands. Yeah, there's, there's like warm the tales of <laughs> Finnish lore, you know. So, but uh, anyways, enjoy uh, uh, the scent of Eve, and please uh, send us some it feedback. Smells fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Uh, Tell us what you thought of the the, the band Social Season. What you thought of the
0: show? Maybe you were a convert and uh, you you, you grooving. Or maybe you guys. had this in your collection. And you totally forgot about it. Which I pull it out. I do every couple years. Yeah, this is a <laughs> this is a nice opportunity
1: for me to pull this record out because I have it probably been three or four years since I've actually listened to a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So was a, a nice way to kind of reapproach it. But uh, shoot us an email at RequiemPodcast at gmail.com or check out the website.
0: Yeah, RequiemPodcast.com uh, where we'll have affiliate links where if you'd like to help us out, uh, maybe buy a couple CDs through Amazon affiliate link. We get a kickback, which helps us with our production costs and web hosting fees and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. And if you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes or a bl- uh, link on your blog or tell a friend about it, that'd sure. be fantastic. Much obliged much obliged and uh again we hope
1: you've uh, enjoyed your little venture into dutch doom uh which there's not too much good dutch doom these days you know a couple Ah, a little hibernoid maybe hibernoid in the (laughs) gathering yeah i I smell a hibernoid show coming down the road so tell us what you think uh but anyways enjoy the scent of eve and uh for requiem metal podcast i'm jason and i'm mark take a
0: deep whiff